Gospel according to John, chapter 15, verses 1 to 6, in the Amplified. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that continues to bear fruit, he repeatedly prunes, so that it will bear more fruit, even richer and finer fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have given you, the teachings which I have discussed with you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine, neither can you bear fruit producing evidence of your faith unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For otherwise, apart from me, that is cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown out like a broken off branch, and withers and dies. And they gather such branches and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Amen. Let's just pray, shall we? Thank you, Father, for your word. How precious it is, Lord. Help us to hear it this morning, Lord. Help us to believe in your word, to take it from you and believe it and believe it more. Help us, Lord, as we listen to this word from you that we will be encouraged and blessed and challenged Amen Jesus is the vine and we are branches you're a branch this morning I'm going to talk all about fruit so if you're a branch wave at me you're a branch, all branches Jesus tells us to live in him, abide in him, dwell in him. And he promises if we do that, he will dwell in us. 1 John 27, abide in him, live in, never depart from him, being rooted in him, knit to him. In Psalm 27, verse 4, One thing I have required, that I might dwell in his presence all the days of my life. I've just moved house again. That's three times in two years. The last two times I moved, I got a removal van, huge removal van of four men to help me. And it was so easy, I just, all I had to carry was my handbag from one house to the next. So this time, I didn't put my brain into gear. I dismissed the fact that I lived in the first floor apartment. I thought, I'm only moving round the corner. I'll just get, I'll do it on the cheap this time. I'll just get a man in a van. And Gary and Daniel came with a van to help. Well, I don't think I've ever worked as hard in all my life. (laughs) 
The next morning when I woke up in my new house, I couldn't, I was aching so much I had to take two paracetamol before I could get out of bed and down the stairs. <laughs> but I was in, I'd moved in. And um, I was thinking about all the benefits you get from having a home to live in. You get a place where you can rest. You get security and protection. And you get power. I plugged in my toothbrush, plugged in my charger, my kettle, my lamps, the fridge. So much, many, many things nowadays, isn't there, that we plug into. All the benefits of a home. And then I was walking to work. I work in a shop in St Anne's Square, and there's quite a few homeless people in St Anne's Square. They sit outside Tesco and M&S and, um, with a begging bowl, and they have all. They sit on a, a mat, and they have all the possessions around them: rucksacks and bags, stuffed with all the things that they own in the world. They've got nowhere to plug in a kettle. They're relying on people to give them a hot drink and something to eat and nowhere to sleep. One of them sleeps around the back of the shop. Anyway, the the difference, the contrast between having a home to live in and being homeless is so, it's like another world, it's a world apart. And so it is with us when we're in Christ. We're in another world, we're in the kingdom of God, a world apart from anyone who's outside of Christ. My favourite scripture is, one of my favourite scriptures is, in him we live and move and have our being. That's wonderful, isn't it? And he promises to dwell in us. He comes to dwell in us, but we keep our personality and we keep our unique self. But he comes to dwell in us. And he promises that we will bear fruit. You don't have to force it. You don't have to strain. You will bear fruit. You don't have to pretend to be happy and joyful and peaceful and love people. You don't have to pretend to be kind or good. It will come out of you as you abide in the vine. We can pretend, we can have righteousness in the flesh. Paul was a typical example, he achieved righteousness in his flesh. He said of himself, no fault was found in me. But when he came to Christ, he counted it all as loss, mere rubbish compared to the priceless privilege of knowing Christ and to progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. We have to be made righteous, don't we? Jesus says, you are already clean because of the word I have given you. We have been made righteous. There are people who are righteous in their own flesh, And this is what the Bible says about them. 2 Corinthians 5, 2. Those who pride themselves on surface appearances, on virtues they only appear to have, although their heart is devoid of them. 
So the result of abiding in Christ is fruit. You will bear fruit. It's the evidence. Just look at Galatians 5, please, um, Marilyn, verses 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of his presence within us, is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, Patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while we're waiting. Kindness, that's one thing that the world is lacking in, isn't it? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law. This is God imparting part of his divine nature into the core of our personalities. Making us better people. God is working in you to change your very nature and preparing you for, and I've written dot, 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 question mark. God has a plan for every single one of us. And we don't know what that plan is, but he's preparing us. In Jeremiah verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 3, we read about, The Lord said, Break up your ground left uncultivated for a season, so that you may not sow among thorns. The Lord is saying we have to dig deep. We have to dig deep. When I moved into my house, it was a heat wave. And I had a rockery in the corner of the back garden, which had no flowers, just dandelions, rocks and dandelions. And I had a lawn, which was patchy and yellow, like everybody else's lawn in the heat wave, but loads of dandelions, flourishing dandelions. So one day I decided I would weed the garden. And I used a long knife, like my dad had told me I to do, to get right down as far as I could, get the roots out, and spent all day in the hot sun, weeding. It looked great. Then the rain came, and they all went whoosh, back up again. I've not done it properly. I'm having a garden next week. <laughs> Every branch that continues to bear fruit, he repeatedly prunes. He repeatedly prunes. He repeatedly prunes so that it will bear even more fruit. We have a, um, a grapevine at the Abacare home in the greenhouse. And it's, it's done a little bit better this year. I've, I've got a show and tell. You can actually eat them, they're okay. But um, that, last year they were half that size, but nobody bothered with them last year. This year they had a pruning, one pruning. So we've got them this big. 
if we'd have repeatedly pruned them, which no one could be bothered to do, they would be like proper, proper grapes. <laughs> I, I was pruned about, uh, about a year ago. Um, I was just reading the Bible and it was something I'd done continually, but deep down in that spirit, I had that prompting that, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. God was saying, no, no. But I ignored it mainly and carried on. And it's from Philippians 2, verse 14. I was just reading it and it just jumped out. And I read it again and again and again and I thought, I'm not supposed to complain. I'm always complaining. Complaining it's too hot, too cold, this, that, everything. Complaining about everything. And it just re- God really just dug in there and said, I don't want you to complain anymore. So I said, right, I made my mind up on purpose. I was not going to complain anymore about anything. Obviously, I've had some hitches. <laughs> but I've been complaining and then stopped. But no. So I'm learning to not complain about anything. But honestly, I have more joy in my life since I've stopped complaining. Because when you complain, you bring yourself down. You complain to other people, you bring them down. If you listen to them, complain and agree with them, you bring in them both of you down. It just brings you down. So since I've stopped, I have got more joy and more peace. And I'm kinder. And I have more control over my own self. Because I've just allowed God to prune me in that area. A long way to go, but I feel like I'm producing better fruit in my life because I've obeyed God and stopped complaining. And when you do stop complaining, you really notice everybody else complaining. People complain all the time, wherever you go. I was waiting outside the school for my grandsons and the whole group of mums and grandmas and they're all complaining. It's, it's everywhere you go. I work in a shop, everyone that comes in has something to complain about. So, great, I'm free. I've set free. Exodus 28, verse 33 to 35. Now, I did have... I had a picture of this, but it's got lost in the cloud. (laughs) So, you just have to use your imagination. Talking about the hem of the high priest... You shall make pomegranates. Now, I don't know whether... I've discussed this with Lynn. I don't know whether there were a dried pomegranate wrapped in fabric or whether it was just a fabric-made pomegranate. I'm not sure. But it stands to reason that a dried pomegranate would make a lovely rattling sound. So we're thinking maybe it was that, but we don't know for sure. So you, you shall make pomegranates of blue, purple and scarlet fabric all around its hem, with gold bells between them. These were solid gold bells. A golden bell and a pomegranate. A golden bell and a pomegranate, all around the bottom of the hem of the robe. 
Aaron shall wear the robe when he ministers, and its sound shall be heard when he goes alone into the holy place before the Lord. And when he comes out, so that he will not die there. So this, it's just a picture of the Holy Spirit. We know our Father God is in heaven, and that Jesus is seated on his right hand. The Holy Spirit is here on the earth, and the hem of the high priest's garment was the closest thing to earth, and it, it had fruit and a gift, fruit and a gift, fruit and a gift. And when you work, when they move and work together, you have perfect musical sound. It's a perfect picture and a perfect order. There's nine gifts and nine fruits. If it was just bells around the hem, make a clanging noise, it wouldn't be nice. It'd be noisy gongs and clanging cymbals. What does that remind you of? If I have a gift of prophecy, can fathom all mysteries, have faith to move mountains, give all I possess to the poor, give my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. I am nothing. In one translation it says, a useless nobody. Have you ever been to a church where the the, uh, evidence of the gifts everywhere can be, if there's no love there, it can be very unpleasant. You get fighting and you get falling out. What about the fruit, a church where there's lots of fruit but no gifts? Faith is a gift. We all have a measure of faith. Romans 12.3 tells us we all have a measure of faith. But faith is a gift. There's a gift of faith. Wonder-working faith. Extraordinary powers of healing. Wisdom, prophecy, knowledge, power, anointing. Those are the gifts in operation. Now, if you mix them with the fruits... And you can mix it any way you like. Love mixed with faith. Healing mixed with kindness. Wisdom, mix it with peace. Prophecy, mix it with gentleness. And it goes on, you can mix them up any way you like. That's what we want, isn't it? That's what the church should be. That's when you know the Holy Spirit is moving in your church. What happens when you don't hear that sound? Have you ever been to a dead church? Right, I'm on time, got five minutes. What happens to full grown fruit when it's ripe and it's ready? People take it, don't they? They take it, they eat it, it benefits people, it does them good. I once saw a little sapling tree, this is about 35 years ago or more. I was in a friend's house and I looked out the window and there's a little tiny tree. 
in the garden and it was laden with great big green apples. It was like this. And it was full. I went, look at that. That's amazing. And I sat, I remember saying, I could preach a sermon about that. Here I am. (laughs) Any age. You can bear fruit at any age. You can be saved just for half an hour. Or you can be, well, listen to this, Psalm 92, verse 14. The righteous shall flourish. They shall bring, they shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap, spiritual vitality, and green. We went to visit Beatrix Potter's house and garden in the Lake District this summer. And in the middle of the garden, there is the biggest apple tree I've ever seen. It was absolutely glorious, and it was full of little red apples. It was beautiful. And there was a fence all around it, little fence all around it, and a notice on the tree saying, please don't climb me, I'm very old. (laughs) I should have had a picture of that, really. All ages produce fruit. All ages produce the love of God. That's not human love, which is easy for some. Even wicked people can love their own family. But human love is very imperfect. Right from the beginning, Cain killed his brother. 42% of marriages now end. People go from one relationship to another and carry on and carry on. People in third world countries actually sell the babies. That's human love. It's not God's love. God's love is the most powerful force in the universe and it is growing in us. Some fruit is crushed. Grapes are crushed to make wine. Olives are crushed to make oil. These are both symbols of the Holy Spirit. You get more love when you allow God to deal with you. Less flesh. You ever poured a glass of wine? You don't get any bits of skin in there, do you? No flesh. Or when you pour olive oil into your pan, fry your egg. There's no bits of olive flesh in there, is there? It's pure. That's the Holy Spirit moving through us when we allow God to prune us and kill the flesh. The Samaritan, seeing the man wounded by thieves, moved with compassion, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. Wine cleanses, it disinfects, and oil protects from germs. Let us give ourselves to be weeded and pruned, repeatedly pruned, and sometimes crushed. Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I in him, will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Amen.